All right, all right. We are live. What is cooking, everybody? Welcome to the show. Uh, today we have on three guests by the name of Carolina Effinger, Chloe Wilds, and you already know Joshua Baker. Let's run. <laughs> Joshua Baker is already back on again, so I can't get I can't get away from this guy. Um, what is what is everybody drinking tonight? We're all we all have our wine Lots going around. Of wine. Oh yeah. What do y'all drink? What kind of wine, Josh? dude? A Pinot and a Cab. We got a Josh Cab. You have Robert. to put the Josh in there. I don't there. usually. I usually drink Italian wine. Mm. Josh, are you drinking Josh? I am. I'm drinking Woodbridge by Robert Mondavi. Not a very good wine. It's probably a Savion. <laughs> Robert probably Mondavi. a Savion Blanc. It's a classic. We're, we're we're drinking the classic Publix Woodbridge. It's ass. <laughs> It's actually really good, dude. I, don't think it's I actually think it's good. It was go not like, as good as the one we were drinking last night. You don't have to go expensive. What were we all drinking last night? What was it? It was I have no idea. another Publix brand, but it was, nice was that food. more expensive? This one was twelve dollars for a double. The other one was like fourteen for a single. Okay, so yeah, it was a nicer brand. Yeah, but you can you can go like you can go not expensive on a Sauvignon Blanc because it's um it's more like sweet. Yeah, yeah. So I what are the ups and downs to like red wine and white wine? I mean, I usually drink red wine. But now that we've had white wine the past two nights, I'm like, I think I like white wine. Red's heavier. Red's definitely heavier. <laughs> white gives you headaches. I, I feel like red gives me headaches because it's yeah. way drier. More bold. For me. I don't do <laughs> sweet white. I do. Sauvignon Blanc isn't really a sweet white. At least it doesn't have a high sugar content. What was that one you were talking about with no sugar? Um, This one's basically no sugar. I mean, it's okay. one or two grams. But So I'm um, much less likely to get a hangover off that. Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> Gotcha. And like gotcha. Moscato. Yeah, I was going to say, people who drink Moscato, there like, go, that's nutrition. just fake wine. That's <laughs> fake. You did that for years. Okay, I was also in like, what, early college years? <laughs> we can't, we don't have to talk about that. It's okay. <laughs> well, um, now that we're on the subject of college, I guess we can all talk oh. about what what, he, what we're hey. all doing here, you know? <laughs> um, so I know you're, you're in college right now. You're studying some interesting stuff. College, mm, it's grad school. She different. Gra She's grad so different. school, sort of, sort of college, sort of grad school. Like, yeah. Whatever. So no, so. um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I actually graduated from Clemson University. Go Tigers! Um, and now Spurs up, I'm baby. At, mm -mm, no, we don't have to say that here. <laughs> and now I'm at Emory University for graduate school, getting a doctorate in physical therapy, which has been so fun, so interesting. What do you like about it? Why did you pick physical therapy? So I actually grew up a competitive dancer for over 18 years. And, you know, with that comes many injuries, definitely in the knee area. Um, so I had to go to PT myself. And I don't know, I just walked in and I've always kind of lived a, you know, healthy lifestyle at the gym. So I was like, wait, this is kind of like a gym, but also you're helping others, like something else I'm super passionate about. So I was like, yeah, let's let's just ride with this. And so I've you know, kind of had that feeling since high school and I haven't changed. And now I'm here going on third semester of PT school. Sweet. Still loving That's it. Right. Sweet. That's right. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> so I know you've done like every type of dance except for tap, right? <laughs> yeah, pretty okay. much. You yeah. did tap for a while. I did tap when I was like three years old, but I didn't stick with that. It wasn't my favorite, but super cool that other people can do it. So now that we're talking about talents, um, everybody, I just had the, well, we all just had the mm -hmm. best dinner like on the planet. Shout out Chloe Wilds. Chloe, how did you whip up this thing? Like, 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 walk us through this this magic that you just performed. It's Greek. just a recipe. Come on, I followed. Speak up. I followed, and I don't know. It's not mine. It came from my roommate in college. So, have you always been into cooking, or? Yeah. Um. Ever since I was little, I'm gonna struggle with this when I'm a mom. But my mom was really good at incorporating me in her cooking. 
and I'm a little too OCD for that. <laughs> so I don't know how that's going to go later on in life. But because of it, I think that's what like developed my passion for cooking. So what about you like cooking healthy, partly because you did a plant-based diet and you also did that sort of stuff. So do you think that working on a, like working on a diet and having to figure out good, because this is something I'm interested in, like ways to make healthy food taste good. How do you think that's impacted your cooking and just that's why I nutrition? Like, yeah, that's I mean, nobody wants to munch on a bag of spinach and call mm. it healthy, but I also, I think it's more of a lifestyle than a diet. I don't think that it should be temporary. You should just find something good, healthy works. food, something in the middle, eat 80% healthy, 20% of whatever the heck you want to. That's my biggest problem. I, I get the uh, urge to eat a McDonald's cheeseburger every now and then. <laughs> I don't think I've ever had a lie. McDonald's cheeseburger. Yeah, you've, never had a, you've never had a big double. <laughs> no, I've also never had like Burger King or what? Taco Bell. Well, I'm not encouraging it, all right? But they slap. They're really good. <laughs> but yeah, McDonald's is just definitely not what you want to eat. Like, um, I think eating, eating healthy is like really, really good for you. Yeah. Especially if you can make it taste good. Well, yeah. So is that like a Greek or what, what was it that? It was Greek. Greek? But okay. I also, this is like the one thing I get nerdy on when it comes to nutrition. But Nerd out. Go ahead. Go off. Anytime you like consume sugar, like don't quote me on all of it, but like, anytime you consume sugar, like it help, or it hurts you and like. It inflames even your, like, cells on a micro level. Mm. And when you consume, like, fruits and veggies, they have antioxidants in them, which fights. I mean, like, I don't, did any of y'all, you took chemistry, you know, like, your electrons. Every time, like, mm. something's inflamed, your electrons aren't, like, it doesn't have the eight in the outer shell, and the antioxidants help balance that. Okay, okay. I, did not, I did not know uh, that. I did not know that. That's, That's really like cool. my favorite. Thing. I didn't know inflammation had, had anything to do with it, it, electrons. And, well, I guess like everything has something to do with like but, subatomics. So, and that's why people will say like sugar causes cancer because huh. inflammation causes disease and mm -hmm. disease can cause cancer and yeah. all the things. My mom is big on inflammation. Like, don't you want a little bit of inflammation though? Like, is it? I thought it's good to have like a little bit I mean, of I'm inflammation. Sure there's always a balance. Well, that's mm -hmm. like a defense mechanism, like with you your too, body. You. Like, I just took physiology. We just learned all about the immune system and all about inflammation. How like it's just your body is like kind of that first response area, you know? It's protecting it, but it doesn't feel great. But, you know, it's kind of cool how that works out. <laughs> so walk us through a little bit about what you've done with the human body, like cadaver-wise. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, we had to get your straight. So, so, yeah. so interesting. It's so interesting. <laughs> so last semester, my first semester of PT school, I actually took anatomy class, and that comes with doing a human body cadaver lab. So we walk in the first day, um, and they actually had them laid face down. We kind of just unzip our bodies or whatever. Um, I kind of had the age of the person and then the gender. I had a sweet little old lady. She was 91 years old, um, failure to thrive. But, you know, it was very interesting to just dissect a whole human body. You know, like it's definitely something I don't want to take for granted. Um, I was very, you know, grateful to be able to have that experience. Um, you know, there's just so many things inside of, of us. Like, it's just like unreal. unreal. So, what's up, Josh? What's up? No, we want to, we want to keep on the subject. We want to keep on the subject. Really? Oh, cool. So like, okay, when you're, when you're doing, when you're doing like, uh, dissecting and stuff like that, right, what are you, like, sorry. what are you feeling when it's your first time and you've never <laughs> dissected anything and you're like just now getting into it? What does it feel like? Yeah. Are, you, are you queasy? Oh, yeah. So um, the only thing I've ever done um, dissection wise was in college, we did an anatomy. It was the cat lab. Yeah. The so it was pretty. And I'm even a cat person. So I was, you know, I wasn't too upset about it, you know, but the smells are tough. Um, so what we do and 
the cadaver lab is we kind of put essential oils, you know, on our masks to kind of help that out a little bit. Um, but I was definitely nervous at first. I know I struggled walking into it thinking that like it was going to really affect me and all the things. But I got in there, you know, it was just like, OK, this is a person who's lived their life. And, you know, I'm someone who has a faith like I'm a huge Christian. So it's just kind of like harder for me to kind of realize. But once you get in there, it's kind of like overwhelming peace, which is so weird to think about. But um, it was just but kind you of also cool. feel like become immune to it. Yeah. And like that's like the other part is like trying not to get so immune to it. Cause like, you know, we dissect and I saw like she had nail polish on and like that kind of makes it so surreal for me. And thinking about like her life, like before all this and just knowing like she donated her body, like specifically for the program I'm at, like was such an honor to be able to do. Um, so it got hard sometimes, you know, when you get to like, the hands and the face like it's so delicate and so thin um but you know i'm definitely grateful for that experience and i'll probably remember that for the rest of my life and And like you said some families do that they keep it in their heritage or it's like a tradition um you know at my program where it's like they'll have their whole family like donate their body specifically for the pt program right out i'm like wow like that's just like crazy like people take it so seriously and like they actually do it for like i don't know they just love what we do you know it's helpful for us it's helpful for our future careers so very thankful and appreciative for that that's awesome yeah and it's definitely helpful for you know human knowledge and science in general i guess like you know the more people we have doing that kind of thing the better Mm -hmm. for all of us um so are you guys organ donors are we all organ donors here yeah Yeah, definitely an organ donor like I think I have. Don't you have like a little heart on your yeah your license? Something. Yeah, okay. Has little yeah. Gloves. I haven't checked. Maybe I think I am. I think I am. I don't, I don't know be. where my wallet is. I should be. Yeah. I should yeah. Be. Why would you keep yeah. the master? Why, why should you know? I be? Because when you're dead, I mean, somebody. Could just... But what if you die, and then oh, many gosh, years in the future they're able to revive your body? I wouldn't want to be revived. If I'm gone. I'm gone. Do you yeah. think that's possible, Josh? Probably. Like if if somebody's been. You know, okay, let's say Abraham who, Lincoln. Do you think you would be able to no. revitalize it so within a certain it. amount of time? But there's people who go in chambers right now and in their lives. And they preserve. In their 40s or 50s and preserve just mm-hmm. in case somebody in the future is able to like, I mean, for it, it's not necessarily like putting your brain in a bat. It could be as simple as like, how far away could we be from at least slowing down cell degeneration but would you significantly wanna, would you want to stay here longer well i wouldn't want to stay here longer but that's that's an evolutionary timeline it yeah. goes all the way down so i mean if we're looking at stay here longer probably not there's only so much to do on earth but um i don't even think that god as a creator would have created an endless universe unless we're able to unless we're supposed to end up exploring it and so I don't think that I would want to stay here forever. But if you were to fast forward 10,000 years in the future and we we're able to go places really quickly and explore other planets like outside of our solar system, then I think that that's somewhere. Yeah. It's um, the universe definitely screams of, of like a creator, but it also um, I don't see like empirically looking at it, why God would create an entire universe with literally that's literally endless unless we're supposed to explore it so we might be in the in the very early stages of something really cool unless he comes back soon yeah unless he comes back soon it'll be a beautiful day so equally valid theory i think that once i'm gone i'm yeah heaven pumped to see what's there do you think it's um i know a lot of people are talking about how that time is either now or soon like a lot do of you theologians see... will say like they'll say that he'll come back in our life i mean yeah, i don't look into any of that but yeah. they'll just from 
don't include a, like yeah. any of them they'll say that he's supposed to come like i mean day, i but. think we're just like you're always supposed to be prepared like that's how you're supposed to act daily like mm-hmm. as if you were to come back today like you're supposed to be ready and so easier said than done though it's hard trust me it's hard like there's multiple days where it's like oh god like please don't come back today like i'm definitely not ready for it but like you know like we're not perfect the Bible conflicts that, though, doesn't it? It specifically says that we're not supposed to. Oh, yeah, we're not supposed to. Well, that, and that's why I said that. I mean, I don't necessarily think that. No, but... you're supposed to leave the details to God. Um, yeah. You know, like uh, the grand scheme of everything is supposed to be in, in the creator's hands. I think like us, we're supposed to take the uh, tangible um, what we're given through the Bible and follow it that way. Um, it's not a moral book because it actually goes against like a lot of our intuition. Um but because there's been a lot of moral philosophers in the world and stuff, Definitely. and you you can't really equate uh you you can't really equate Christianity to any of the other moral philosophers in the world because there, there's been a ch- there's been a lot of push to equate Jesus with like you know Marcus Aurelius or other like really big guys. There's but, a ton. There's um, a, you could call it a moral book. But but I guess my original point was that yeah, you're supposed to leave the details to to God and and just focus on um being a faithful Christian. It's a roadmap. Um, whether you like believe that Jesus was a real person, um, which he definitely was a real person, but whether you believe that he was a real person, he's supposed to be a roadmap. And so that's how people look at Jesus is this is kind of, he's either Jesus, the physical person, or he's a theoretical judge. And so, um, people call Jesus a judge because Jesus is supposed to be like something you're supposed to look at your life and judge against. And so he's both Jesus, the son of God and Jesus, the judge. Well, I guess like a little while ago when I was saying not moral philo- a philosopher, I think I was wrong in that because um, it's the the a lot of other morality is kind of easy to follow. Uh, Christianity is counter to our intuition in a lot of ways that you know we're supposed to suppress our sexual instinct and well, things yeah, like that. There's um, a lot of the time they'll say like, you're, I mean, I've always heard like you have to die to your your own flesh every day and live for God and do. Not what I want to do all the time, but what he says I'm supposed to do. And that's mm-hmm. that's a daily walk. And so I get where you're coming from with mm-hmm. that. He's theoretically the good. And so actually, like, the the thought of Christianity runs through a lot of religious theories and also a lot of moral philosophy theories. And it's just, um, it's kind of a natural law. That's why in philosophy, a lot of people will interchange God with or nature. And it's because kind of the good is not supposed to be instinctual and it's supposed to be a um, subjective, partly objective of just kind of pointing yourself in the right direction and continuously moving towards the good. And sometimes that's not always what's instinctual to you. Yeah, there, there's a um, a train of thought where God is in everything. And I'm trying to remember the exact because I, I said it uh, um, says like God is in everything in nature. And I, I, I just, I completely, pantheism, I completely agree with pan, uh, disagree with pantheism because if you were to say that God, a lot of people are saying like God is the universe, like the universe, like everybody, like the universe, the universe. Mm, but see, and, I and, have... But the thing is like God can't be evil and so God can't exist in evil things. And okay. so therefore he is apart from it. Like he is separate from um, the devices of the universe. He created the universe and he created the devices for good and evil. And if you think about like good and evil, most of the evil in the world is people trying to pursue good through a bad lens. Because if somebody's like a sadist or something, if they they find pleasure through like disgusting stuff, like like hurting somebody, then they're looking for pleasure, which inherently isn't a bad thing, but through bad actions. And so like that necessitates evil. So I think like all good is 
uh, or all evil is derived from good. Um, well, and, yeah, and, God, that, and that's I saying mean, like, like God something. has to exist out of that, out of that, right? Like yeah. he created those things. Well, and I mean, <clears throat> I mean, I have a lot of friends and I don't judge them for this, but they'll definitely be like, oh, like manifest it into the universe, mm-hmm. like do this. <laughs> and it's, it's literally it's either you're talking to God or you are talking to evil. Like there's no, like, we're not talking to rocks. Like we're not like, I don't know. I just... I think you can manifest a certain through like law of attraction, right? If you like, if you become, so if I really focus on becoming a very like healthy, uh, healthy mindset person, healthy physically and things like that, I will attract people to me um, who are like that on, on the same string or on the same wavelength. Um, and that will bring those people towards me. But I don't think like you are literally manifesting like every like you can't no, just like, snap yeah, your fingers and manage your, your own actions yeah. um, but but you could definitely like you know take actions proactive actions to become whatever you want to become. the idea of manifestation is sort of <clears throat> um it's like a vision the reason that people talk about manifestation is because there's a lot of um psychology theories that say the things that you think about are the things that you notice and so it's like oh, if i'm if i'm so this is that's the idea of manifestation is if i'm like mm-hmm. thinking about a tv business forever just because there's a tv on the wall that i'm going to see more tvs and so that's yeah. the idea of manifestation so the idea of manifestation is i feel like a lot of people take that out of context though yeah maybe they're not just talking about something in the world but if you're constantly putting something out and then that's constantly on your mind you're going to notice those things more and so you're driven more towards that and that's the idea of manifestation and it's it's not necessarily means it's going to happen but it means you're going to be more likely to notice it which means you're going to be more towards it Hmm. not that it'll make it happen but you're it's definitely makes it more like it'll just be more at the forefront of your mind yeah it'll Mm -hmm. be at the forefront of your mind so you notice it that you'll be you'll notice more people like that like you just you just come more into that area is that kind of similar to you like when you buy a car if i buy like a passat or something like that i'm more likely to see more passats on the road (laughs) exactly you know like has that ever happened to you guys it's exactly like that oh yeah for sure you you get something and then you notice like everybody like you notice them on the streets or just around it's it's almost even the things like that are at the forefront of your mind that you don't want to think about yeah like you'll see things to remind you of that and it's Mm -hmm. not i mean it happens to me all the time it's good if it's positive yeah, no, absolutely. It sucks if it's negative. And it's always like something where if you see something like if you're scrolling on TikTok or Instagram or you're watching TV and you see something, it's like, oh, I feel like I heard that recently. And then you'll see it again somewhere else. It's like, wait a minute, what's happening? And people are like, oh my God, like the universe, you know, just wants me to hear this much. I'm like, no, that's God. Like coincidences like <laughs> aren't a thing. Like something. it's like accidents aren't like accidents. Like they're supposed to happen. And so it's like kind of cool because I used to have this uh, Christian therapist, and she always told me, you know, if God repeats himself, you better listen. So I was like, all right. So, you know, those people who always hear things over and over again on different platforms, you know, it's kind of like, all right, what's it telling you? Like, what do you think you need to listen to? Because, you know, a lot of people like to look over their problems and look over like, oh, no, like, that's good. I'm on that checklist. Like, I'm fine. But it's like, you know, sometimes you have to look a little deeper. That's right. Kind of things. So like, um, how would y'all describe the current state of things with like social media? If you're just, if you're just scrolling on social media, what, what do y'all think? Like it's, it's, do y'all think it's bad? Good? Like, do you think it's good for people to scroll through social media? I think social media is like a whole. Yeah. Like if you go on to, for example, just like the Instagram search, um, and you're just scrolling through the explore page. But I feel like it's geared to you as a user. Mm -hmm. But do you you think that's good though? Like, do you think that some, somebody who's like, do you think, uh, uh, like going on the explore page and having like a filtrated message of things that are like within your echo chamber 
like things that you're always seeing, wanting to see? Like, do you think that's a good thing or a bad thing? I think thing? it's a freaking ta- waste of time. I had mm. TikTok for like all summer and just for, like, I want to say two weeks ago, I had to delete it because I would literally spend, because I mean, I spend a lot of the time like just in a laundry room nanny, I nanny, but, um, <laughs> hey, man. but if I, if I had TikTok on my phone, like that's all I would do. I said, I mean. Other than it being a giant waste of time, I don't know what else. It's terrible for me. Yeah. Um, since social media's oh, come, come out. Actually, that was my, um. well, what did we do? Senior year of psychology. Or I, I did a study on that. There's a ton of reasons. I Suicide did... rates have like um, doubled, tripled, quadrupled. And it's because a big part of it is that you used to be able to, um, a big part of it is bullying, that you used to be able to just go home from school and the bullying stopped, but now it's online. But it's also comparison. Comparison is a big part of it. I did a study on um, self confidence with comparison through social media. Unrealistic comparison too, because people no, absolutely obviously edit. People obviously like have good angles, good lighting, good pictures. Yeah, it's a highlight reel. The highlight reel. I think it. But I mean, if you follow people that like are against that, then it it could be a good thing. Or like maybe they they press things towards your algorithm that um. They they press things towards your See, age I'm not group familiar and specific. With, like, for example, well, even I, I think I with what she's saying, like if you follow specific people and you like stay off the explore page, I'm saying no matter what they um now or like suggested you can, posts, yeah, like you can that's stay the off thing, the explore no. page if you want to, but even even so, um, you still get like they still gear things just specific to your group and demographic. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, are you saying like the way uh the way like um they're the poster fans. Yeah, like I'm I'm a I'm a 24 year old male and I get I get girls shaped. I don't watch at all. I don't look on my Facebook page. I get bikini models. Yeah, and girls. No, it's all the ass. fucking time. Dude. I get all that stuff and it I, is all the time. I put not interested and it pops back up. Yeah, and it pops back up and it pops back up. But that's just because. But also that's I feel like I mean for your demographic that's definitely a weak spot for like. Yeah, that's why they do. If it. you're not mentally um, strong, I think that's definitely like a weak spot for a lot of people, and they'll they'll get you. Yeah, not yeah. even that. I mean, we're we've been catered to it since we were kids. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it was no, kind of like what we were talking about the other day. You know, yeah. you want to destroy a society, increase the circulation of female nudity on the yeah, internet. It'll do. Or just no, like that, in general, that's, that's such a. It is like it, like yeah. if you go on any It'll, social media, like TikTok, Instagram, stats, right? Snapchat, yeah. like Facebook, you're gonna see like you're gonna see every like thing that you probably shouldn't see. Like as yeah. a, as a man, like I mean. Um, it's kind of cheapening like the the whole like relationship between men and female. I think uh-huh. in a lot of ways, so yeah. Think about it's women. making it highly yeah. available, like it's some lottery yeah. system. Yeah. So there's a podcast I listen to. It's Behind the Bliss, but the behind you said the Behind the Bliss. Yeah, she okay. talks about like her her like thing is met. God meets you in your rest and balances you in your bliss. But she was she just like did a questionnaire type thing or like a Q and A with her husband, and her husband just recently deleted instagram and she was talking about it and she was like you know my instagram gears towards like right now presents and stockings and like all the things on the explore page whereas his like even though he's not like into it is all about what y'all are just talking about if it's all about not all about but like suggested posts though you're good yeah i can sometimes um can sometimes like feed it out even for like weeks continuously just but not he just deleted it all together because i think that he just wasn't interested i think that's a great uh step forward it's just deleting the shit yeah yeah i try to watch youtube a lot informational youtube videos well not informational i like little (laughs) vlogs but (laughs) what kind of vlogs do you watch um super i mean health and like lifestyle i guess that's good yeah that's good that's informational yeah look at you 
There's a little. There's a, a, that's awesome, Chloe. Really? It's a mix of that um, comedy and um, video. Comedy's good. Carolina and I watch comedy sometimes. I'm a big comedy guy. Y'all ever seen uh, Sebastian? I live in home for like maybe a week and my family and I have already gone through all of his episodes on Netflix. He's it's so funny. excited. There's this new guy. His name's, um, have you heard of Matt Wright? Well, he's coming to Atlanta, and I already bought tickets to see him. Oh, I forgot February. about Matt Wright. What a spot that is for concerts and stuff. Oh, yeah. But to Atlanta has been nice when it comes to, like, concerts and stuff. Yeah, we're sure. trying to save the for passion, hopefully. We haven't um, really discussed this. Well, but... I'll be in school, but you're more than welcome to come today. Oh, I will be crashing at yours. <laughs> sure, you texted me, I think. <laughs> My jiu-jitsu coach started doing comedy. Really? really? Yeah. Is he good? Oh, oh the guy has always been hilarious. You know who I think? I have been be begging him to get on the podcast. Ashley and Mark. Would be good at comedy. Yeah, Mark, not Ashley. Ashley would just be. I don't know up. Mark. So I, can't oh, say. I think Turner would be pretty good at comedy. Or I think if anybody was going to be good at comedy that we know, I think Bradley would be good at comedy. Bradley. Oh, I do too. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. I think I think gotcha. he's really funny. And I don't, I he's think, witty. I think he doesn't give a shit. Um, yeah, so he'd get up there, and I think he would he would have a really good time regardless. I think he would say stuff you're not supposed to. Yeah. I agree. So I no filter. Which is, which is funny to me. Isn't that the greatest part of comedy, though? Yeah. Like it saying is. stuff no you're not filter. supposed to say? Yeah. Have yeah. you guys seen that? Sure. Uh, never mind. <laughs> never mind. <laughs> well, Maybe I can say it. Who cares? Have you guys seen that David Chappelle episode where like uh, David's acting like he's in the KKK? No, oh, no. yeah. I've watched Dude. David Chappelle. Have you all That's like, the... at the, like, that is like exactly what you shouldn't really be funny. doing, but yeah. it was hilarious. It was really funny. It was, it was a so different time. funny. That was early Different 2000s. time, different time, but still funny video. Dave Chappelle's a, still funny video. Who's the guy that time. does the, there's, he does like a skit about like a drunk girl. Oh, I don't know his name, but you, and it talks about like, <laughs> like how drunk girls act all the time. I don't know. No, but I think the this. thing, like the issue with like comedy these days, like why do people go to comedy if um they get so offended so easily? Yeah. You know? They just want to start a problem. Yeah, the same people that sure. get offended so easily want to pull up to the comedy show yeah. so they can have a problem. To find something Honestly, to People who get offended, not about. people who just get offended easily, but people who like look for those types yeah. of problems yeah. are actually yeah. looking for those kind of problems. No, Absolutely. But I feel like that—that that is comedy. Like you're like, supposed to like <laughs> supposed to make fun of people, yeah, like, yeah, and uh, in a joking way, like for sure. Did you ever? Did you ever know uh, Claire Farnsworth? Yeah, I mean, remember, we, remember she did comedy. Yeah, we're good friends. Yeah, yeah, I went to I went to watch her um, at a Coffee Underground in Greenville, and it was she was actually really really funny. But, but yeah, I mean, I think the whole point of comedy is to call out the bullshit in society, like you know, oh, or call out the bullshit in people. Uh, like, bring light to some of it. Yeah, and to make it comedic, like uh, comedical, like I mean. Or comical. Yeah. Comical, it's like funny because, like, I watch old TV episodes. Yeah, that's, I just made up a word. Like, <laughs> Y'all see, like, old TV shows and whatever in movies where it's like they used to be able to say things oh, like that. But some and of it's messed up. Now it's like you never can. But no one brought, like, okay, no, I think there's a balance. When I look at this yeah. like Cartoon Network and Disney when like, we were a kid, ooh, I'm, like, bad, I'm like, this is why I'm fucking We didn't up. have eyes. So, <laughs> we didn't have eyes to see it. We didn't like, know any better. what? You can, if you go back and you look at like no, sub I know. subliminal, like not even subliminal stuff, stuff that if you watch now, it'd be blatantly obvious. Like, like there's a lot of shows that say a bunch of stuff. Like, I'm um, surprised our Ed and Eddie episode that we were watching, like he gets like pulled in, like this girl like wants him and he gets pulled into the room and like they're obviously having sex in the room. Or like Mickey Mouse. Kid show. Mickey, like, Mickey Mouse. When I don't understand. Very like, like sexualized. Oh, well, yeah. no, there's so many Disney I mean, movies Mickey. like that. But I just don't know how like our parents didn't catch it and stop it. Yeah, my That's mom never let me watch SpongeBob. I, I, I don't know what's on. I have any restrictions. I'm she like, was like, wow. 
I don't know if it was because she was annoyed. Like, she was definitely annoyed by it. But I think she saw, like, my mom's very, like, cognizant. Like, she'll, like, pick up on that. No, stuff. but, I mean, at least you had a mom there to, like, watch you watch a show. I feel like we were just kind of, like, thrown to the woods. On woods. Our own, yeah. yeah. That's, kind of That's kind of the point. No, it's I get like it. But there's a way to filter it. Yeah. Like, as a nanny now, if, if my kid turns on, like, a show, I'm going to turn it off if there's, like, anything remotely bad on it i have a question yeah, they didn't know i have a question <laughs> did they okay no, they so didn't. if y'all have kids like what age would y'all give them a like phone or a like iPad? 13 13 that's what why 13 yeah. because i mean like i think that we were given phones too early i i fully when were y'all when were y'all fifth grade phones? yeah fifth, fifth grade, grade. Yeah. What, what would that be like for eight or, or ten or like my okay 11 11 or 12 okay 11 or 12 okay no not even 13 then i'd say like 15 okay because i don't think well i think that there's so much available like honestly maybe our actual like flip phones like i would give a kid that but i would not give a kid an iphone, iPhone. until they were maybe like eighth yeah. or ninth grade just because i feel like we Are were so yeah no yeah, there's too much you're access. vulnerable to like so much stuff and yeah. i feel like we actually like, experienced it all yeah i would say high school though. like the beginning of high school eighth or ninth grade yeah, exactly. i would say definitely high school like, 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 like what chloe's in definitely. i've i've like experienced like i've needed kids that like have an apple watch at eight years old and can call their mom and be like hey this happened and have like an ipad all the time and the people that i babysit now like they don't have anything other than a tv show on a friday night like, mm -hmm. they are not allowed to, and the oldest is nine. I don't even think she's interested in having a phone. Yeah, I think it's. But I also think that society is making that more normal. Yeah. I think Whereas exactly. when we were younger, like, like our childhood I just perfect. begged for a phone when I was like, here, fine. Like, I think that parents are like doing better at that. I remember when I was begging for a phone, I was like, like I think, I, I don't know, when I was eight, nine, eight, nine years old, I was mm -hmm. asking for a phone. Um. I agree with you. I think giving them a flip phone so they can, you know, contact something their to call mom and dad, friends yeah, or something like that. They could, they can still talk. I would honestly put like a home line in my phone in yeah. my house still. Yeah, like just so my kids can call. Yeah. They have to have friends. But I think like unfiltered access friends. to the internet is terrible when no, you're absolutely. thirteen, oh, you know, yeah. ten years old, eleven years old. I because feel like, but our generation was the one that could like, like no one knew that. Yeah, when we were growing yeah, that up, yeah, it was different. They just didn't have access to our parents. But it was new to them don't have the too. Access to information that we have, yeah, they just don't have. They just they're they were so unfamiliar with like, yeah. access to information. Yeah, nobody well, knew. Yeah. People didn't know that cigarettes were bad for you. Yeah, no, yeah, they would. I actually yeah. just heard something about that recently. Like, Someone has a stomach ache, they would literally offer them a cigarette. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They had no idea what was going on. Remember when cigarettes were classy? My like, <laughs> like they were like smoking oh, cigarettes yeah. on a magazine. The 50s, oh 60s. yeah, 50, yeah, fifties and sixties. My stepdad didn't know. He he heard so the BC Boys are this band that um I was know actually who a that is. Yeah, and he so like a funny thing that kind of um talks about how they didn't really know what was going on. He just heard at school that one of them died. He, they just didn't have any way to check it. <laughs> and, so, and so he found out that he didn't die like two years later because what? they were, they had a concept. That's actually so They just funny. didn't know. He just, they were like, oh, he died. And everybody but I thought feel that. Like, like, oh, no, shit. I will say that like makes your words so much stronger though. Like as it, like, like he obviously trusted whoever told him that. Yeah, just people at school, like there was just a rumor. Like, yeah. Oh, this person mm -hmm. died. And they're just like, yeah, I guess. <laughs> that's like, yeah. Speaking of that, like, that's, that's like the same thing. It's like what's going on with today. It's like, what words don't mean as much as they used to. My, I was just about to bring that up. Like, my yeah. grandpa used to always believe nothing that you hear and only half of what you see, and it is which so is like yeah. so sad. No, you're so right. I mean, I think people's like word and, and 
trust in their word has become so cheap in today. Uh, like you can just say something right and, and everyone's saying the word toxic all the time. Yeah. Like what does toxic mean? Like that means like every time unhealthy. You, yeah, but if you it's basically meaning if you call someone toxic, it's like, okay, every single time I talk to you, that's poison. Toxic is poison. So it's like every single time I talk to you, poison. But it's like you have to learn to forgive and forget, but also like mend things out. So it's like, okay, if you call someone toxic, then like you're basically saying they're poisoning you. Like mm. that's like that's a lot. You know? I don't think that this. I mean, I think that society is just using the word toxic instead of like unhealthy. I don't think that people are like using it as poison. But like, look at the definition. Of I mean, obviously, but look at yeah, no, well, finishes on yeah, yeah. No, I I think like yeah, even I don't know how this will change the subject at all, but. Um, have you ever seen um, what's the book? Uh, um, Miracles by C.S. Uh, C.S. Lewis. Yes. You C.S. Lewis. You Wait, know we C.S. talked Lewis about the Chronicles, Screw Tape Letters, and okay. um, uh, Mere Christianity and things like yeah. that. Yeah. He opens up the book by talking about how like the word gentleman uh, was at one time used like for a very specific purpose, and like how over time it was like diluted, and now like gentleman is just like thrown around, ancient and stuff like that. It's like just thrown around. Like anybody can be a gentleman if you don't say like you're a gentleman. You're like whoa, but at, but back at the time it was like a person who was in a feudal position of being like a a gentleman. Yeah, um, and I I feel like words have become cheapened over time. Like um, I just think that we just need to bring back that term for what it means. What you gentlemen? <laughs> yeah. yeah, like holding the door. Like <laughs> yeah. chivalry should not be dead. I'm like ready I said, for it. every I time. Every time. <laughs> every time I'm walking into like a building and there is like a a, a you know a female like walking up like closely or even a man like whatever. Open I always door. always hold the door. But open say for thank him. you always. Yeah, yeah, say thank you, please, thank you. I feel that stuff's important. I feel like the bar is low. Was the bar is so low. Are you serious? It's gotten bad. So people don't. My friends will call me and be like, "Oh, well, he did this. I guess that's so great." And I'm like, "Excuse no. me, that's yeah. expected." Bare minimum. Bare yes, like you on a first date. He is paying for it. It's worse when they he text it. Is that not expected he, nowadays? No, but if like, I'm not gonna name. Wait, really? Name. Really? <laughs> I don't. I don't know if I believe that <laughs> one just yet because like every. No, like, that is like. Like, cause we've always. No, been, I mean, I'm sure you've been, been raised. I've always paid. Well, I mean, here's the thing, though. Like, I've done this. Like, I've asked a guy if he wants to get a drink. But when I ask, then I expect to pay for it. But every time I've done that, they've, like, yanked my debit card out of my hand or something like that. What? As in, like, I'm paying. Yes. Really? Which is good. But I I feel like for first dates, like, if if a guy asks you on a first date, they're, like, Maybe I'm stupid for thinking that I assume that they'd pay for it, but that's well, I might be like... stupid too because I pay for everything. Oh, okay. I, pay for, I pay for everything. One hundred percent. I don't like. I don't days. care if you like say, "Hey, I want a drink." Like, I'll pay for it. Yeah. You know I mean? well, okay, but I've definitely yeah. had some boyfriends in the past who're like, "Hey, can you um, split?" Get it. I'm just like, okay. Well, I feel like there's boyfriends? a balance. Boyfriend okay. different. There's yeah, a balance. Like yeah. my my ex, we'd probably go out like. Two or three times a week, and he would always pay, but I would probably cook for him, like, two or three times a week. So there was a balance, but he wouldn't, like, pay me back for grocery bills, you know, so, like, it would, yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's important is having a, having a balance because, you know, I'll pay for, like, 90%, but, you know, just, like, if, or if even, she, like, uh, treat like, someone. For, for, like, for men, like, if, if the girlfriend offers, like, every once in a while to say, hey, you know, like, I'll, like, it, even if they just, like, say, hey, I will pay for half of it, that means a lot. Like, because that no, means that they appreciate not expected. it. You know what yeah. I mean? But, but then I'll be like, no, I got it. Like, I, I would got only it. do it on a plan. But it still feels, it still That's feels fair. good. You know what I mean? It feels like yeah. that it's important that they, they care. Every once in a while, it's nice to be, like, 
Well, it never be should like, become I'll, a burden. I'll take, mm-hmm. I want to take you on a date and then and then take you on. No, never a burden. I just pay for stuff. That's no, but I'm saying, doing. like, I would never want, like, my significant other to feel like it's a burden. Like, yeah. And expected with, like, little things, if that makes sense. Yeah. I don't know. Like what? Like, say I asked to go get dinner not knowing that, I don't know, his bank account doesn't look great right now. And then I expect him to pay for it. Like, that's not fair. I feel mm-hmm. like if, like, you ask, like, then, like... You know, if I asked to, like, yeah. go get food or something, I would expect to pay for it. Like, that's, like, I don't know. I feel just how I grew up. Like, you always just, like, whoever asks, like, whatever. But, you know, a relationship is different. But I actually do have a question for y'all. What's up? What's y'all's opinion on, like, a girl asking a guy out on, it, like, oh, a wait, first I date? Have, like, uh, like, I'm actually yeah. so curious. Like, what's, like, the new thing? That's fine. You know? I think that would be great. I mean, <laughs> Unpopular honestly, opinion. I think that if you're looking for someone who's a leader and you already jipped them from the first thing that they could be leading you towards. Well, it depends. Like, it depends on just who, like, takes the initiative in the conversation. Personality. Like, if you're, like, if you're having a conversation do. with somebody and they're, like, before you get, if you're thinking it in your head, you're going to ask it at some time, but they just beat you to the punch. That's like, fair. No, but, that, that's, that's different. But, but like, live that out. Well, no, but like the thing is, like, yeah, I will ask a girl out like ninety percent of the time. But if I get asked, like, then that's like, you know, I wouldn't be anything against. I wouldn't be against that. I feel like first dates aren't always a date either. Like, you no, can, it's yeah, yeah. yeah. you can always just be like, hey, do you want to do this? Like, if a girl asked me, like, hey, do you want to go like get drinks this night? Then I would go get drinks, and that could be like a first date. You don't always have mm-hmm. to call it a date. Yeah, I mean, so, I know many people who have gotten asked out first by by uh, their girlfriends that are their girlfriends now but as and long they've been in a very long relationship no and i agree but as long as my biggest thing is like allow the guy to pursue you but give them the confidence to know that they're yeah. doing it right like I don't don't yeah. allow yeah. them to question themselves if that makes sense like always like, give them the like reassurance or confidence so do you think like a, a girl should never ask out a guy then i mean i think there's a difference like i think it's like I don't know like i'd be confident in myself i'd be like hey like do you want to go get drinks like, i would have, like, no. have to be hammered no i'd have to be hammered. i could not have to be hammered. like I, I mean that's just you being confident i guess but i also think that that already gyps like whoever i'm interested in like yeah in like well i think being a girl like it's always that. nice like you want to be pursued like especially being like a christian yeah it's like we're told like you are to be pursued and everything so i get that like you always want to feel wanted or be led yeah like you want to be led you want to be wanted but like Sometimes with a guy, it's just like, you know, sometimes they just don't know what's going on. And you just like, hey, like, I'm interested. Like, let's hang out. Let's get drinks. Like, let's do whatever. So I don't know. Sometimes it can be kind of confusing because yeah. you never know if the guy's uninterested or if he's just too nervous or scared to ask you on a date. You're assuming that he was, um, not you're assuming, but like for a guy to ask you on a date would be to assume that like he was socialized properly. And there's a lot of people that were No, yeah. So Josh properly. and I have mm-hmm. had this argument because he says a lot of the time, like when he finds a girl really attractive, sorry, because I'm throwing you out there, but okay. he'll sometimes get shy mm-hmm. and like, it's like really like reassuring. Because they, they couldn't imagine me being shy. No, no, absolutely. Because he's usually like, live party but like he'll he'll like not shut down but he'll just get a little bit more shy no, but it's it plays off of what you said too that you said like you should have somebody pursue you but you should let like kind of let them know and give them hints like hey you're doing the right thing like yeah, yeah. so like i i definitely like need i need those hints before like I'll oh put absolutely because like when i yeah. when i actually like somebody i feel like i feel like i don't want to like I don't know. I'm you don't want to like i get that you don't want to overdo it you don't want to yeah. ruin it unless i get like information yeah that. Which I feel like you definitely is fair. need to be assured, like as you're going. Yeah, definitely. Along. I, definitely. But actually, no. I this is why I think that guys should ask girls out. 
that like like you need to have a you need to be a little bit ballsy and like put yourself out there. If you're, you're so providing affirmations, so, then yes, I I agree with but you. But I'm not like like you you shouldn't <laughs> expect like a girl to be like all over you before you do that. Like no, no. okay, yes, no. So I, like I agree with you, but I don't think it's bad for a girl to ask out a guy. Like I I agree with you that that the guy I think should that it take could work out all the time. I to... personally just would yeah. not ever ask. I mean, a guy rejection's out. always hard. You no, know? I mean like. No, absolutely. Rejection yeah. is hard, but rejection gets easier the more you're rejected. That's true. Okay. Well, actually, rejection. Um, I don't. This is maybe in the same kind of vein, but uh, there was this video that I watched one time. It was a TED talk. This Asian guy. He comes up and he was talking about how he overcame the fear of rejection, and he would just do completely heinous stuff, like in public. Like he would go to McDonald's and then he would ask for a refill on his burger. <laughs> um, because like like you know like i think the story goes like um he in like fifth or sixth grade or something like that uh all the kids got together for valentine valentine's day and they were passing out flowers and everybody passed out a flower to everybody else except for him and so like for his entire life he had this terrible fear of rejection and so when he turned like you know i think like 20 or 22 or something like that um he went out on 100 days and every single day he had to do something crazy to get rejected and so he would do crazy stuff like he would walk up to somebody and i'd just like ask for money like hey how can i 20 bucks like just... but you become comfortable to getting rejected yeah, and you which become... builds confidence exactly it builds yeah. confidence so, so that was his whole thing it was his spiel of overcoming rejection and becoming right. confident like in the world because like he's been rejected from so many different scenarios yeah. that he would not be afraid to walk up to somebody like you know, in a bar or at a coffee shop or something like that, who he thinks is, is beautiful and just like ask her out on the date. Yeah. Like, yeah. One of my I, favorite quotes is like don't too. ever become. Yeah. yeah. Let's don't. ask for burger refills at McDonald's next time we go, which is like never because we're being healthy now. No. Okay. We're being healthy. <laughs> we, are, we are eating uh, 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 Chloe's um, Greek <laughs> food from here on out. She's going to be meal prepping for us. Maybe all, the, all the tzatziki, you know, here. Hey, but it was, it was, it was good tzatziki, like healthy. Tzatziki. It was amazing. It was, no, I'm saying it's stuff. But um, one of my favorite quotes is never become comfortable in the dysfunction of whatever you're doing, but become uncomfortable in, like, what you're supposed to be doing. Like, like definitely, like, hmm. do all the things, well, no matter how. When you're uncomfortable, that's what makes you move. That's what makes you grow. Yeah. Rather than, like, staying comfortable in the dysfunction of, like, your daily life. Like, you should yeah. always be striving to do something better. I think, like, when something uncomfortable happens, like, that's kind of what makes you make act like take action and like move and it's like okay what if you needed that discomfort to do something that like that's born for you like yep. that you need to do in your life but so. i don't think that like successful people like just did everything the same every single day like no they took mm -hmm. risks like no you have to no there's a like, like my, what josh was talking about the other night and i feel know? like y'all are good um, at that and y'all are gonna be like super successful one day just because y'all are super like i mean josh knocks on doors a lot of the time just I'm like knocking on doors yeah <laughs> he does all the things but like no not like that um but my dad has People been interviewed twice stuff. by our friends like for an entrepreneurship i didn't say that word right but that was you, correct. Yeah, you said that right. completely right. Okay, Fine. well, but for that class, if like you're for talking business, entrepreneurship. yes. <laughs> my dad always says, "Take risks or take a risk, expecting to do well. Don't be afraid to fail and do it early in life, so that you can come back from it." Because, like he says, I mean, he's a mechanical engineer and has an engineering firm, but he says that he wouldn't do that like right now in life, if that makes sense. So, like, like do it now. My favorite quote is, what the hell else are you going to do? <laughs> uh, Jordan Peterson talks about um, 
I don't remember. I don't. I never want to misquote him, but he um he says like, "What the hell else are you doing?" I mean, why that's not, fair. Why not go out and aim at the highest good? Because like, what what else are you doing? No, like, yeah. Are you, just, are you just sitting around? Like, what are you what are you doing? Mm-hmm. And I mean, like, I think community helps. Like, regardless of whether you do well or fail, you still have people like community that will support sure. you. Well, that, that that's a huge thing. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of the concept of ikigai. Anybody ikigai? <laughs> It's a Japanese concept, um, and I've I've spoken about this with you a few times. But there's these places around the world with like uh, they're called blue zones, mm-hmm. and uh, people traditionally live like a lot longer in blue zones than Italy. than regular. Like it, they, there's there's a spot in Italy, um, like what islands off of Italy, Switzerland. Um, Switzerland there's uh, Japan uh, uh, off of Okanaga. There's an island off of Okanaga, um, and these people traditionally live longer um, because of a few things. Like first off. You're not supposed to eat until you're like, well, you're not supposed to stuff yourself. You're supposed to eat until you're like 80% full. I've heard that. Um, You're supposed to uh, like work like until you're 90 or something like that. Just like never stop moving. Like the idea is to never stop moving. But these people are like 100 years old. They're still out in the field. They're still working and stuff like that. And um, and they just become like super comfortable being uncomfortable. Um, And and I think that's like really important for for living long. Yeah. Um, and living like a really long, healthy life. Have but, you ever heard of like a biohacker? Um, yeah, I actually have. <laughs> yeah. So explain to us what biohacking is, if you know what that is. I mean, I don't know like the full definition, but I follow a girl on Instagram who like does all the things of course. for biohacking and she'll like, I'm trying to think like sleeps with like the phone across the room, like for what is it? Some rays. Yeah. Sure. And like eats only organic, like raw cow's milk, like all the things just to make sure like she's not involved in like any, I don't know, like oils or like processed foods or anything like that. She like her kids aren't allowed to like do multiple things just to make sure like they're being raised correctly. And she like says all the time she wants to live until she's 102 and die in her sleep. I think I'm going to live to 125 years old. Oh. 120 i mean like if you look if you seriously if you look at like the like seriously if you look at the replacement age yeah we've talked about that if you look at like the trend of how long people are living it's going higher it's going up and up and up i mean like but it's because he he was saying preventative what's that replacement which means that for every year that we're living that medicine is making at some point in the next 12 to 15 years people predict um, will be at that medicine is extending our life by one year for every year that we live. And I, so towards the end of our lives, people will start living a lot longer. Do you think that like big pharma is like actually a thing? What do you mean big pharma? Like doctors treating disease with medication only to make money rather than finding the root yeah. cause of oh, disease. No, I mean, not everything, oh, no, but without, sure. without a doubt. No, but like the institution of Big Pharma is definitely. definitely that way. People have gotten busted for it. It's factually a thing. Definitely that for way. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm big fine. into like finding the root cause of things. That's like something I'm yeah. Well, you know, like in um, uh, the... Everything else, greed. Well, like, okay, so for example, like uh, opium tea was a big thing for a long time, right? Like people in the 20s, uh, they would grow opium in their yard. But yeah, no, um, and they would like, and they would create tea out of it. Yeah, and uh, it's like a healthy thing. Um, at you know, like a small, minuscule level, it's a healthy thing. Um, and for a long time, people used opium for all kinds of things. Um, and then they outlawed opium, and then big pharma came in and they said, "Hey, we're going to create a drug with opium, and we're going to prescribe every everyone opiates." And so 
Well, nowadays, mm. whenever you go to the doctor, they're like, oh, okay, you know, you come in for five minutes, we're going to prescribe you like 30 days worth of pills. Yeah. Um, And there's like no accounting method for, for like, is this person going to take 10 pills in one day? Are they going to overdose? But my biggest thing and is like, like, why that. are not doctors educating you on like, this is your issue, but this is what's going on genetically or in your diet, like to cause the issue. Well, we're because they have, they have contracts with the uh, people who create the pills. Um, and they like the, the, the people who are pharmaceutical salesmen, they come in and they, they sell this new product to the doctors who are then supposed to, to sell that uh, prescription to the public. And so they kind of have like this uh, like underlying uh, interest in selling that drug. Yeah. And all these new drugs are coming in all the time and they have to that they have to sell those to people in order to like continue that contract. Um, and so, yeah, that, that's that's been a huge, huge issue because like people are saying, like, instead of taking pre preventative measures we're just going to prescribe you with a drug and just hope everything my biggest gets thing better. though is like the fda doesn't approve anything preventative like any no. natural thing or like anything like that whereas not anything preventative that was medicine's rude. weird um we did a lot of work on sort of universal health care and why that might be a good in thing. college yeah why that might be about i wrote several papers really probably six or seven Ooh, papers on um, preventative health care <laughs> and um a big part of the problem with preventative healthcare is that up front, it's a really, really big cost, but all countries like France, for example, or Canada that have preventative healthcare, they start to app. So we spend over $10,000 a year per capita on healthcare. The United States budget well, does. Not a penny goes preventative healthcare. Huh? No, well, it does. But the idea is that you don't have universe. This is the idea that kind of people come up with is that you have free healthcare for everybody up to a certain amount of checkups per year and the reason that let's say you do two checkups a year right let's say that you're somebody who is a single mom has three kids and you live in the projects right and you don't have health care and so they catch you with um so you don't ever get to go to the doctor because it's expensive if it's a six or seven hundred dollar mm -hmm. thing after your um public like really really bad health care even if you're able to afford that health care at all even if somebody was there to tell you that you had that health care then they catch you, you go once every five years. Five years is a damn long time to have stage no, four especially cancer. Especially with children. Um, and so yeah, if we offer twice a year for, which also costs a lot of money, but at first, for the first couple of years, if we offer um, maybe two free checkups a year, like people do with dental insurance, then people don't get caught with stage four cancer. They get caught with stage one cancer, yeah. or all of those things. And yeah. so that's the argument for it. And there's actually empirical evidence for that. Places, places like France had a really big high cost up front, but then they went down from like eleven or twelve thousand dollars per capita to four thousand dollars per capita yeah. like several years later. And it's like twenty percent of our um, budget goes towards healthcare. So like like twenty percent, which what, is what, trillions of dollars. I I have a question. Um, so what are some of these preventative measures that doctors are prescribing? Getting a checkup, getting an X-ray, make sure you don't have cancer. Well, not even I mean, that. Like, like teaching people how to eat. Level. Like that's what I was gonna say. Yeah. So one of my good family friends, he's a vascular surgeon, and he is in a pretty good city, but he also gets. I mean, we're in the low country right here. And he also still gets like a bunch of patients who don't know how to eat fruits and veggies, don't know like what it does to our body, doesn't like they just they haven't been educated and mm -hmm. it's so important. And I think that like that 
I mean, that and it's, I mean, obviously like screening stuff, like you said, and all of that is super important. But mm-hmm. I think like just even fueling our bodies with the right thing is super well, important. Well, I think also like something I learned in my care class um, at school was just like, you've, huh? You've already taken that? Yeah. Um, We took like this health class already and it was just like, so you're supposed to eat right. You're supposed to exercise and everything. But some people who live in low income households it's not okay to walk outside most of the time. Like they don't have that access. They don't feel safe. Like there's a lot of people who live um, in kind of that low socioeconomic, um, you know, town. And it's like, if they walk outside that there's a drive-by shooting every day. And I think it's really hard for some people who need like, you know, for example, physical therapy, because that's what I'm saying. It's like, you're supposed to walk outside with 30 minutes a day, like get some cardio in. And it's like, they don't have that access to it. So what do you do? Hmm. If they can't afford healthcare, they can't afford going to a gym or going to a PC clinic, like it's hard because you have to keep moving. And so some things that we tell those patients is kind of like, okay, do you have grandkids at home? And if yes, like, okay, play with them for a little bit, try and run around the house, try and, you know, just get down your knees and like, just do whatever you can. Cause like, you know, we take for granted so much of the time where you can just walk outside in the neighborhood, go on a walk, listen to a podcast. It's like, okay, well, not everyone can do that. It's so what can point. you do? It's you know, and also point. all the healthy food costs the most, you exactly. know? Exactly. Yeah. Healthy food is not cheap. Even mm-hmm. decent food. Um, Literally. So, yeah, that's that's an amazing point. Um, and there's a big hurdle to overcome with getting people out of those situations where they can't prioritize their health because of, you know, existential conditions yeah. and stuff like that, that when they walk out of the house, they're afraid of, you know, getting into an altercation with somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, like a good example of, of preventative things is what my mom does. Uh, so she's a physical trainer um, nice. and she's had like four or five people that have come in who have been addicted to like uh, prescription drugs, um, especially uh, drugs like uh, sleep, you know, sleeping pills. Mm-hmm. So there was this one person she had in that was she was training and she would take before she went to bed, like two NyQuil um, and she would take mm-hmm. like two sleeping pills and all of these other things. I can't even name all the things. And she would wow. take all these before she went to bed. Uh, and my mom like just said, hey, um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to get you off this. So mm-hmm. I'm going to send you a tincture that I'm creating. She has like a little mortar and pestle at home. And she mm-hmm. like grinds her own supplements together and oh, creates wow. tinctures out of it. Um, and it's a, a magnesium supplement. It's yeah. magnesium base. And uh, she gives them to her clients. And her clients are like, I need some more of this shit. Because I've gotten, all, <laughs> I've gotten off all my pills. I'm sleeping better than I ever have yeah. in my life. Um, and I know you're you're into this, um, uh-huh. but like uh, Andrew Huberman talks about this all the time. Like the importance of sleep is mm-hmm. sleep is huge, right? Like the mm-hmm. the more the more sleep, the better sleep you get um, is really good. And actually, to go back on that, uh, the more sleep is not necessarily a good metric because uh, they did a study uh, one time where uh, they they said that if you get an a average amount of sleep every single night. So if you get five hours of sleep every single night and you stay on that regimen, that you will get good sleep. But if you mm-hmm. sleep like one night, eight hours, another night, like 12 hours, another night, like three hours, then you're not going to get good sleep. So it's like he was talking about like the yeah. quanti- quantity is not necessarily a quantity, but it's more oh, yeah. like the um, consistency. consistency of it. Oh, yeah. yeah, we had um, but, an old high wait, school but I have teacher a who only slept like three hours every night. Oh, but he was, who was that? What was Mr. Sullivan? Was he like ready to go every day? Yes. Oh, a math wizard. Math and, and he said he slept for three hours every three single hours day. Three hours every day. Really? Yeah, exactly. That's Sully, the thing. Sully it's Sully the Sullivan. consistency. Yeah. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 But I mean, like. It's an amount of time. Mm-hmm. That's also like weird though, because like I'm big into like, I mean, 
they say like for us at least we should be getting eight hours of sleep like that is a milestone for me uh-huh. like every single day but then some days like I mean I don't have to be at work until 10 so say I come home at eight I'm in bed by 10 and I wake up at like what nine it's 11 hours of sleep do you feel better when you wake up with no no but like how am I supposed to fight my sleepiness when I'm supposed to get up so that's like such an issue for me actually um I don't know how y'all feel about uh Andrew Tate but um I listen to it like here and there some things about Andrew Tate but he he says uh like like when he wakes up (laughs) like he doesn't care about like and and this is something I really resonate with because sometimes I'll wake up and I'll be like in a bad mood It's I just, just I don't want to wake up. Like, but he I says, can't... I just omit the emotions. I say, I don't how care do you do how that? I feel when I wake up. It's gonna... it's a conditioning thing. It's a, like you. I have no, a, it's a discipline I, thing. I, I, I will a, say, I, like, I suck at self-discipline. Yeah. But like all, okay, and that's the biggest issue, actually. If I was supposed to be at work at 7.30, I'd be fine waking up at 6.30. So but you're because saying you I'm only there to, to do. No. Or like do something, you don't have anything to do till The only person I have to please until 10 a.m. is myself. And that like, I don't know. I just don't, like I could be doing so many other things but i just it's tough well you gotta get yourself on a regimen you gotta say like hey every single morning i'm gonna wake up and i'm gonna go on a 30 minute walk at 8 a.m no matter how i feel i'm gonna get up and i'm gonna do that and it's like it's uh making a commitment to yourself getting up. yeah i think and honestly one of the biggest you're good at that yeah. i love waking I like up are, My alarm are you are you an early oh yeah up but early? i am if too i have something to be excited about yeah well i'm used to waking up at 6 a.m every day but if i sleep in until like 8 30 or 9 i instantly go in fight or flight mode because i'm like oh my gosh like my whole that- morning's gone like what do i do but i think one of the biggest things that's like helped me is not going on my phone like not going on my phone right in the morning I'm like not good at that. i wait what do you do though so well i mean like the I, first thing I do is I check my Bible app so I get my little yeah school so like learn something. when I wake up like I tap my phone I see what time it is and like this was probably like a year ago like so I'm still pretty new at this I would instantly go on my phone scroll on TikTok that's like the first thing I do so check all that. check all my notifications like everything um but I think I kind of made that change when I went to grad school because we start school at 8 a.m. so I wake up um we have to leave the house by 7:30. And so um, I would just wake up at seven. I'd be so stressed out. I'd be getting ready for school. I'd be anxious about school because we had a test coming up or whatever. Um, but what I did was I was like, okay, no, I have to make a change. And so I started setting my alarm for 6 a.m. But and how did you like instead, go? Instead of setting my phone like right on my um, oh, you nightstand. I've done that. I, I literally it. will run across <laughs> my room, turn my alarm off and jump no, back in. I moved it. So I'd set my alarm off. And then before I even checked my phone, I would instantly just open my Bible. And that's all I did. Oh, and every fair. morning I just felt so much peace. And like, it's so weird because I noticed the times where I immediately check my phone when I wake up, like I just get upset. Like I'm just very anxious. I'm mm-hmm. very upset i'm more irritable throughout the day and then it's like when i don't do that and i just well you just open it do you know where you're headed i just open it and i just kind of sit there for a little bit and i start to wake up and sometimes like don't get me wrong sometimes i just open it and i stare and i close it because i'm like i do not want to do this today like i'm not perfect (laughs) but i try and it just like i don't know i just feel so much peace and like stillness in the morning because it's my only time of stillness with school and everything going on and then i come home and i have to study so it's like I want to take this for myself because it's like help, like helping my heart. Mm-hmm. And that's like what I do in the morning to myself projects what I do to others. And I never want to make others feel discouraged because I only want to send out encouragement wherever I go. So it's like the mornings where I don't do that, I'm more irritable. Not the nicest person to be around. It's like 
I don't want to make anyone feel less because you never know if you're like that person that is like, a point of, like so nice or encouraging and like you are like but you also come in contact with people our age all the time I'm stuck with a nine seven and five year old and all I have to do is like smile and nod and <laughs> they love me which is why I don't know like I have to find some but you know like what you absorb play. like what you put into your eyes and your heart like whatever you look at like that turns into what you project so it's like it, if exactly. i start if i start my morning with like watching stupid tiktoks and i'm just gonna be like okay like why am i at school like i'm not appreciating it whereas like last year i was sobbing my eyes out because i got into my dream school like it's like yeah. i don't ever want to take that for granted or forget that moment because it's like i'm sitting in someone's seat that really really wanted it and it's like i'm not gonna mm. waste that so i'm gonna put my heart into good things so i can project that wherever i go you know that was really good Really beautiful. I knew this when it was being talked about, but I wasn't in the room. Um, I don't want to misrepresent Andrew Huberman. I love him. It's eight hours of sleep. It's a minimum of six hours of sleep. It's yeah. Consistent. Of six. What's the maximum, so though? This is That's two, what I want to know. About eight. It's, it's eight. It's consistent. Oh, the max he, is eight. A lot of people in psychology and Andrew Huberman say going to bed at the same time and waking up at the same time is extremely important, but it's six. And the reason six to eight, and the reason is because your your um, brain goes in an hour and a half cycles as it's healing itself and as it's circadian like rhythm sleep circadian rhythm. And so um, he talks about that. And then he also um, in the same podcast, it was only Rich Roll podcast is where he talked about it a lot. And um, so basically, he was talking about that. And then he also talks about like appropriate light levels during the morning and during night to, which um, no that's why you told me i had to have my blackout you have to go and out and you, you have to get a certain there. level so yeah. yeah he says we're about an hour an hour he talks about caffeine so we're about an hour an hour and a half um when you wake up you want to get as much sunlight as possible because you want your eyes to open and your pupils to open and you want to like start that circadian rhythm and you want to start wearing sunglasses around a lot, like three. Oh, I don't wear any sunglasses. Yeah. Wait, do you think that that would help? Dim lights. Oh, totally. No, because like if you get that. Yes. Uh, so, so I literally I never think, wear sunglasses. Um, and I, I, I might misquote them, but like when you wake up in the morning and you uh, look at the sunlight, it activates a certain enzyme within your body. It starts your circadian. Rhythm. I mean, it but starts it, your circadian it, rhythm. Yeah. So, like if you don't, if you don't go out and you don't activate that, it that cuts off your melatonin. Yeah, so your your melatonin like is supposed to be act like is supposed to be released at eight hours. I think it's eight to ten hours after you wake up, um, and you are like ready to go. I mean, what he says is like when you go out and you see sunlight in the morning, it starts that time clock. So like eight hours to ten hours later, then you will have a natural release of melatonin and you will fall asleep better. And so he just talks about like like good ways to manage. Um, uh, manage like the, the wakeful and, and, and sleepiness process. But he also talks a lot about, I actually have a bunch of notes in my phone about uh, Heberman and I'm just pulling them up. But he talks a lot about like uh, the breathing and stuff. Um, yeah. How you can for like. Anxiety. So, okay. He says this. Um, what? The box. Breathing for anxiety. Yeah. So he says uh, breathing out will cause, uh, one second. Um, uh, breathing out will cause the heart to become more compact as the diaphragm moves up. The sinoatrial node registers that blood is moving quicker in the compact space than sends signal to the brain to the parasympathetic nerve system, uh, sending signal back to the heart to slow the heart rate. Uh, calming down uh, equals longer, more vigorous exhales. Uh, so, like, if you're, like, really stressed out, then if you, like, you know, really breathe slowly and, and um, no, if you count, deliberately, yeah. then uh, then you'll actually calm your whole body down. Um, yeah, but like... Yeah. 
he's 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 the man if you guys haven't like looked too much into andrew huberman i mean shit like well you were just saying that like even with like the three kids that i need if like david hit his head really hard today and i ran up to him and i immediately said breathe out really hard and then breathe in very slowly and after like two of those he was just like this is what happened i think i'm okay now (laughs) yeah that's all it takes buddy well that's what um i don't know if y'all heard of uh i was talking about him the other day but um the uh, ice band Wim Hawks, um, he really implements the breathing. And so this guy, uh, I did a, I did a either a reel or some kind of story on him. But this guy has trained his body so well uh, to the point where he can climb Mount Everest with no pants on, no shirts, like no shoes, barefoot up to the top of Mount Everest just by regulating his internal systems through breathing. Oh, wait, I did see this. Yeah. And it's all about, you were talking about the cold plunge. The cold plunge? So my best, yeah, my best friend's dad, he does a cold plunge every single morning. He bought one, he has a cold plunge and a sauna, actually. And he, like, tells me all the time, like, drop the cup of coffee, just get in the shower and, like, let the water hit you as cold yes. as possible mm-hmm. and feel like you can't handle it anymore. And, I mean, I literally don't have the mental capacity to do that. But <laughs> well, I'm sure it does great things for the body. <laughs> it, it feels great after you work out. And uh, there's several ways to do it. And um, I speak about this all the time because it's such a cool fact. But um, if you, like, get into a shower and it's really, really cold, uh, then you can, um, if you are trying, if you breathe really, really good, like, during the shower, like, like that kind of breathing, mm-hmm. right? Then you will literally burn brown fat cells in your body and, and uh, contribute to fat loss. Um, and if you get into a shower and you're trying to like withhold the shivering and all that, you're trying to fight the shivering, uh, then you build up a stress resistance, which is what Wim Hof talks about. And this guy has the record, like he has the record for everything related to cold. So he's been in like, I think he went like two hours in a uh, freezing Antarctic uh, water, like through ice. Like this ice is like 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 two feet thick. Mm-hmm. And he went into the ice and he was like in the water and he was just he was just there floating around and breathing a specific kind of way and he was able like to fight off hypothermia oh my goodness um, and it's, so it's crazy it's such a mental thing well, yeah, no, yeah like like, like the, the mental... only time i've ever been able to deal with cold water is surfing like i have yeah. to be excited to i didn't know you something. surf yeah i surf what <laughs> but um that's so cool the only time I've... yo you should give a surf we're at charleston like, <laughs> I've done it since I was, I don't even know, like in You've middle done it school. You've for a long time. That's awesome. Honestly. But unless I'm looking forward to something cold water, I don't want anything to do with. Well, there's like the whole trendy like cryotherapy where like you stand in this like dome almost. Yeah. And it's just no. cold. It's yeah. a burn fat. I'm yeah. like, I've never gotten that to be honest. And now that I guess that makes sense. I didn't know about the whole the brown fat cells and yeah. all that. Yeah, I learned that from Huberman, of all people. Oh, my gosh. I need yeah. to look this guy up. <laughs> no, no, he's the man. He has a podcast. It's called Huberman Lab. Okay. Um, And because you're so into neuroscience, um, he's actually he's actually taught me a lot about neuroscience. Love me some neuro. Um, I love neuroscience. What, what would you say? Okay, so you're, you're into neuroscience. I guess. I found um, that out recently, yeah. Okay. So, like, uh, what to you is the coolest thing? that you've learned about neuroscience and like what is the most applicable i guess okay easily neuroplasticity because Mm. your brains are all like all of our brains they're always changing they're always learning they're always making new okay so the neuron has you know dendrites and axons and the axons have synapses and they synapse to each other so whenever you make connections like those synapses in your brain like just form new connections and it's like a whole little roadmap inside you that you don't even know about 
And I think it's really cool. Like people will always say, like in my growth processes class, we had like this. Um, so we're in our geriatrics portion right now. And we had this older population come in and talk to us about, um, you know, the facts of aging and death and dying. And they were like, one of the biggest things that we had to learn was like, you never want to stop your brain. So it's like you always want to be involved in some form of learning community and also physical hmm. activity. So it's like you are never too old to learn. Like when people always say like, no, like I'm too old for that. Like that's just a lie because you are never too old to learn anything because our brains are always changing and always forming new synapses with each other. And like, I think that's like so special and important to learn because we talked about earlier about how like, oh, I'm going to live forever. Like, you know, it's very factual. Like if you keep your brain intact, like whether that's doing word puzzles or like having intellectual conversations on the daily with like a group of, you know, guys or girls, whatever. Like what we're having right now. Ex exactly. It's like, that's like kind of what keeps you young. Like that's yeah. like what keeps your brain working and moving. And um, I don't know. I think it's really cool. Um, definitely the idea of neuroplasticity and that like your brain's always changing, forming new things from learning and experiences and memories. And I don't know. I think it's so cool. Like, you're never done learning. You're never too old. Yeah. A lot of people talk, you know, there's that um, age range or whatever they say when you're fully, your brain is fully um, evolved or whatever mm -hmm. or grown when you're 25 years old. Mm. I, I, that's I mean, when like but the I, maturing age starts i think but like no but i just think that that's yeah i mean i know so many people who they're like i think I'm, the development of your brain might be done when and you're... i've gotten so old like <laughs> I, you know i'm like done and all that i'm like dude you're 30 years old you're in the prime of your life you could no, still be learning no yeah. i think the like physical development of your brain like the like the actual like way your brain looks at maybe i don't even know like, like 25 the or gyrus and this whole thing. yeah you developed like, when you're 25 but you're yes sharp, you're sharpest in your mid-50s no mm -hmm. and so like i think that Thanks. my dad took the first bit of what you just said like to heart and like when i was little he was always right and i was always wrong and it, like like when i have kids and when i'm like around young people i feel like we should always be allowing them to teach us mm -hmm. as well Mm -hmm. yeah. Which is such like a generational chain breaker, I feel like. Yeah, yeah. No, no, definitely. It's kind of like in business, you know, when you bring on an employee or something like that, like you'd be surprised what you can learn from your employees. Like when I when I brought Turner in um, to do the first painting job, like, you know, we were kind of learning together. I knew a little bit more than him. Um, but the way like he was doing some things, I'm like, you know, I can do it like that. You know, I, I can I can actually use that. Um, and that comes like, you know, like with with kids and stuff like you can learn so much from from so many people but i don't think development ever stops i mean i think you could be 80 90 years old be Always, learning stuff sure. and be implementing things in your life so you, you should never ever stop and close off the door to learning um because that's what keeps you like you said that's what keeps you like rejuvenated you young, young you for know? sure i mean it's it's huge it's you huge. know and even using brain power i think burns some form of a calorie yeah, <laughs> i saw that somewhere i was like Most, oh gosh well it uses energy right Most I mean, of your calories yeah. are burned by your brain yeah hey there's a percentage like there's a Time. literally yeah. like a Thighs. huge percentage of like like the amount of metabolism that occurs in your brain compared to like the rest of your it's body like yeah like huge you just gotta keep it warmed up you know it's like your body like if you like 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 i said earlier i grew up dancing so it's like i've stopped stretching now so inflexible rather than like a few months ago when i stretched <laughs> like three days a week it's like gotta keep your brain warm you know you, you gotta stay know, young you gotta sure. stay young yeah <laughs> i think that's i think that's huge so you know i mean i i never want to start stop learning stop growing stop being like you know improving every single day 
you know, if, if that ever, if that time ever reaches, then I'm like, I'm done. You know, I'm like, fuck, what the fuck's going on? <laughs> Why am I not learning anymore? But um, I mean, I think you should keep a library, a book, you know, always handy, like learning new things, Um, even if it's something that doesn't directly apply to your life. You know what I mean? Like, I love history. I fucking love it. It has no, no, we have a bestie like it, it has no, no applicability to Aubrey's my life. Just like, like that. I'm not a history it, nut. I'm a history wait, minor. Wait, yeah, you're, a, you said you're a history, history nut. I said no. I'm not a history nut. Okay, okay. I love some history, bro. I can go on and on about I like history. history. I like, I like. I think it's very school. applicable. I, and and I was just kind of contradicting myself a little bit, but I think it's very applicable because you it's have to study history to be able to know the trends that have happened in human history because. At the end of the day, like, um, you know, what we're experiencing now is just mm -hmm. the aggregate of, of human condition, like human experience. Like, um, our our economy is the aggregate of human decision making with our money. I feel like, um, okay. and, and that's like, and that happens, Maybe. like, you yeah. know, through trends throughout time. We're extremely unprecedented right now. I wouldn't <laughs> say so. Well, I think now is a different time because it's we have the we, because we have the advent of the internet and uh, instant in, instant connection, global economy, globalism. It's it's a huge difference. Um, but but there are still, I think, trends that that could uh, uh, maybe unless account. this is the first, unless this is the first. Uh, so how would you say it's different? Like the in, first um, trend of the global economy. I, I agree with you, but but how do you like? How would you say it's different? Well, there's no economy, so no economy. <laughs> there was no economy very very early on, and so that matters. Like um, like when, like before people started really like bartering and trading at a high level. Dude, I'm um, actually reading a book right now uh, called The History of Debt the Last 5,000 Years, mm -hmm. and it's talking about how the barter economy never actually existed. Never at all actually existed? No, because if you go and you look at the uh, uh, indigenous tribes like Aboriginal Australia um, in Brazil, if you look at the Iroquois tribes, I mean, most of our economic system is based off of Adam Smith's idea um, that you know before the advent of money, there was barter, um, and they've never actually found a barter economy. Um, in the world ever. I mean, it's usually external barter. So if you're a tribe, you're going to barter with a enemy tribe because barter within a enclosed society is always going to end up in conflict. You know, if, if, if I trade you like um, a like my car or like, let's say on a simpler level, if we're back in like 1500s, 16, like the 1300s and I trade you a bow and uh -huh. you give me like a, an ingot of, of gold or something uh -huh. like that, right? Like, um, there's always going to be some kind of upper hand for one person in the transaction. So it would never like work for an internal economy. And it's never, we, we have never found a, a barter economy that has functioned, um, like Adam Smith, uh, says, um, in the internal sense, it's always works, worked externally. Um, so, I mean, if you're, you know, because when they went to, um, uh, after Adam Smith, uh, I'm trying to publish the Wealth of Nations externally. So if like if I'm a tribe, uh -oh. um, and this happens in Brazil and Aboriginal Australia, basically what they'll do is they have this tradition where they meet up every so often, um, and they exchange goods. Mm -hmm. Um, and what they'll do is they'll do like a ritualistic dance. It looks like they're about to get into war or something like that. Um, and then they will trade uh, like a necklace for a uh, like a bow or, or a necklace for uh, some kind of quill. Um, and there's always some kind of conflict that follows that, some kind of like unfair trade. Um, and basically what this this book is suggesting that the barter economy internally never actually worked and that credit and debit actually existed before barter. I um, mean, you can find that in the old- uh, Worked um, and existed are two things, or two different things. Did okay, it not so, work or did it not exist? 
So, I mean, like, so like, like how would you have, if it it worked or not worked, then it existed, um, worked or not worked predisposes existence. Wait, say that again. Worked or not worked predisposes existence. So did it not work because there was a conflict after every time or did it never exist? So it never worked internally is the distinction that I'm making here. So externally, yes, if you have a tribe and and you're just asking the distinction between internal and external. Uh Um, so external means that you have one tribe trading with another tribe and typically they would be hostile to one another yeah i mean so one tribe specializes in making whatever another tribe specializes in making whatever and they Uh will trade with each other and that would be a form of a barter but it never actually existed internally like within a tribe um because they they went there was a there was a, a person who went and um i forget the guy's name um back in like the 1700 16th century and he went and uh, analyzed the sixth Iroquois tribes that existed kind of like in Canada, Northern America, um, like up towards Maine and that kind of area. And they never found an example of barter ever. They, they basically, what they did is they, they found their resources, they stockpiled them in a log house, and then they distributed them across the economy. And, and that's how it worked. And then um, Basically, the idea is that money, uh, credit, and debit existed before because that was found in Egypt. That was found in um, mm-hmm. the the Mesopotamian areas and things like that. Um, so I don't really know where I'm trying to go with this. <laughs> um, I just kind of went on a ramp. But but but, so but somebody like uh, yeah, I'm not one trying to go with this. I'm not trying to get too too deep today. <laughs> but um, you know, it's, it's interesting. But there was a value that if. Like a barter economy never existed because either directly or indirectly a value was assigned to a certain thing. So, exactly. So there's not a barter economy possible. Yeah, there there was always some underlying uh, yeah, like exchange this, this value. This is worth this rate. many marks. This is worth this yeah. many marks. So either if you trade something, there's there's implicitly not a... So if I have economy. 10 chickens and you have one cow, like how could I say that my 10 chickens equally is your one cow? Yeah, like exactly. It's, 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 it, it, would, it would never actually work. Chickens and how much you need one cow. Yeah. So you would all... It, it, in this case, no, it's you would relative always need some needs what? Maybe. I mean, because that goes two ways. Because if 10 chickens are worth one cow and then one cow <laughs> is worth 15 bottles of wine, then it... it no, but let's say you've really on a currency. No, yes, it does. Okay. Yes, it does. I promise it does. You just said that better than I ever would have said. That was great. No, what well, you're right. There's a balance economy with everything that that implies. It always boils down to a two-way exchange of value. It implies it's a currency. But yeah. hey, that's a first opinion. You know, because it is. If you really need ten chickens and he really needs one cow, then if I really need a car right now, I'll pay twenty-five percent interest rate on my Dodge Charger. That doesn't mean it's worth any less or more. Yeah, there's still there's still a value to say that. Some that's Fletcher. I think. Turner. 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 Yeah. If there's a if okay. If there's a value assigned, we we have one more person joining the podcast in just two seconds. Hey, let me just the read the definition of value really quick. Okay, let's, let's, hear it. let's hear The definition of value means the regard that something is held to deserve, the importance, worth, or usefulness of something. Wait, Carolina, can you repeat that? Okay. Definition of value: the regard that something is held to deserve, the importance, worth, or usefulness of something. Okay. No, that's yeah. why I think it's relative because what Chloe was saying is that like if you really need one cow or you really need ten chickens, like that's the usefulness of it. Well, but the thing is, like in a, an economy, everybody needs sustenance. Everybody needs ten cows. Everybody or everybody needs ten chickens. The market decides. Everybody needs one cow. Is. No, but but Explain. that but that's the argument. Is that is is currency uh, formed through market or is it in? 
currency design. Or, or is it uh, is it brought up, brought about through the market, or is it brought about through government? And uh, what uh, the book that I'm reading right now says is that it is through the government. The government has always kind of brought about this currency, mm -hmm. um, and that is what creates an economy. That like Adam Smith's idea that like given its own devices, the economy will always kind of arise through human interaction. Um, and I don't think that's the case. I think you need some external force to come in and say, hey, we're going to create this 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 uh, uh, minted store of value that you can exchange instead of having to say, hey, I, I own 10 cows and that's all I all I owe. Instead, that those 10 cows will be broken down into like 50,000 shingles. Which can buy something else. Which can buy something else. Of equal value. Because cause somebody who has shoes, for example, is it may or may not accept my cow for those shoes. Yep. And so you have to like break it down to a, a level where this cow is worth this many shingles, this shoe is worth this many shingles. Yep. Um, and then you can trade it. Which but, takes away the subjectiveness of yeah, the economy. That's that's great. Yeah, I think that's correct. Great idea. All right. So, so it's so, relative. <laughs> Just kidding. No, you're saying it's not relative. It's 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 a, it's not relative on the individual basis. Um, because if you have like everybody subjectively uh pinning value to what they have. Then they would all be out of whack. Like everybody would say, "Hey, I have a cow, but it's a fucking awesome cow. Like, this cow, you know what I mean? Like this cow is the golden cow. Okay. Um, and I think it's worth eighteen thousand shingles, where my other cows are worth like ten shingles. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> I don't think it would ever sure, work. But you know, um, yeah. But anyways, anyways, um, guys, we are welcoming a new person into the podcast in about uh five minutes. His name is Turner Hayes. You've already. You've already seen the man a couple of times, but um, I'm excited to have him on. So, squid. so the boy Squid over there, get, get us ready. Squid. Squid. I have that. Do people will call each other squids? Oh, all right. no. Explain to me what it's it is. Squid Explain. It's like, a, it's like a lame a person. A lame person. A lame person. Oh, man. Turner's not lame. Turner hates squid. Turner's the man. Turner's the man. Sometimes. I love old T. Hayes. I love old T. Hayes. Yeah. Yeah. So. Squid. Somebody knows what squid means. Sam probably knows what squid means. Shout out Sam again. Yeah, we should open his uh, Zen can for Zen. Sam real quick. Yeah, pop, oh, that, yeah, pop uh, that Zen can for, for all Sam. Right. I can't say that on air. All right. All right. Sam, this is for you. <laughs> My man. He actually picked that up on the podcast with me, Turner, and John. Oh, Josh. He was like, you think you're slick with that Zen can. You're not oh. slick. I don't care who knows that I throw in a Oh, we know. Any time today, every day. Right I thought that I Turner was... had something like, like, like orth orthodontically wrong with. Is that the right thing to say? Like, I thought that he had an extra tooth or something when I met him because of his invention. I was on Facetime with my mom. <laughs> I was on FaceTime with my mom today with a Zen pouch and spitting into a wine bottle. Let's go. Let's go. Y'all, you, you two got me on Zen pouches. Zen I did not. I did not even know hey, if you're about a, a Zen pouch before. We are. We are not cool. condoning the use of Zen pouches. Okay. Do you edit? Not addicted. Yeah. 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 All right. All right. Yeah. That's a lie. That's a lie. That's a lie. No. Does he edit? Right. We need to. Maybe. Can I? It should be. Can I have that? <laughs> the whiteboard. Yep. <laughs> All right, so we need some more subjects to talk about. Okay, so we, like we've been through the barber economy. <laughs> we've been through, been through neuroscience. Let's do cadaver lab, uh, okay? We've been through cadavers. <laughs> actually, actually, I want to know a little bit more about the cadavers. No, no, uh, no, 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 no,
Okay, so you have a brain in your hands. Yeah. Right? Uh, ex- walk me through this process. What does Are a brain process? in your hands feel like? Like you have a you have uh, a, a mush kay. of all I've human never intelligence. Felt like a squishy softball. Like that's like the best no, it's, way. It's like it's like it's jello. It's like you know, like a hard enclosed yeah, cat. No, no, no. So I you, know what it is. It's like I don't even know how to explain it. It's like sure soft, it. but it's not. But it's like it's not jello-y. Like it, that's not it. But it's like it's hard, but it's like liquidy. But like I don't know how to explain liquidy. it. Liquidy. It's it's a very liquid. Like, it. You yeah. take it out of the little jar. They bring it. In, it's just like liquid. Like you know, it, so. Is there is there like a um a liquid substance that surrounds the brain? Okay, wait. Do you know what meningitis is? CSF. Cerebral spinal fluid. Do you know what the cerebral? Do you know what the meninges are? Spinal okay. fluid. Cerebral spinal fluid is produced in the subarachnoid space. We both learned this. No, she can go off. All right, Chloe, let's hear it. But I feel like what keeps your brain intact before you actually are Your brain has a buoyancy to it. But it also has your meninges around it when it's in yes, your Yes, you have your What is your a dap, Your dura matter, your regular matter, and your pia you matter. to college, yes. But you, went, you got shots before you went to college for meningitis, and it is... What would you even describe that as? Like thin sheets of layers on your brain? Like, like, they're, like just, they're, they're thin. They're very protective. They're also on your spinal cord. So, but very thin, <laughs> but very, like protective. Well, yeah, when it sorry. gets inflamed, I feel like most meningitis. Of die. It's called meningitis. Yes, but I was so about to say, meningitis is when that that fluid. Your meninges. But your meninges get inflamed. So that's like the but protecting. So it protects like the outer covering of like your spinal cord and your brain. So they're like, like little thin sheets of paper. But like, like you have your dura mater, which is like the hardest and the most outer, and then you have your arachnoid space, and then you have your pia mater. Okay. And it's like three layers, and it's so interesting. Can I ask you a really really lame in question? Absolutely. Um, so like, if I like. You know, move my head like back and forth uh-huh. really quickly. Is that fluid like what's helping my brain from not hitting my skull? All of it is. Like, sure. All of it's helpful. Like, okay. I mean, you have your skull and like so that's it, like already protected. I mean, you never want your it's brain like a protective to actually hit your skull. Casing, kind of. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I mean, that's what I would say. TBI. All right. All right. What is a TBI? Traumatic brain injury. Oh, oh yeah. I've had I have had many of those. I've had many of those. Yeah. That's like. In our, in our apartment in particular. The I mean, I'm just going like, to have to deal with you being vertically channeled. The, the chandelier is five feet from the ground first time. It's just, it's not built for any normal human being. Um, not designed okay. for anyone over yeah, five no. eight, five no. nine? No, no, not at all. Not at all. Especially your chandelier. I almost hit that and I'm yeah. not four, so. See, Oof. exactly. It's, it's, it's a piece of garbage. Shout out, Kevin. Yeah. I'm up at 12. Maybe not picking me up. It's not picking me up at all. It is. <clears throat> okay, so <clears throat> you want to have a subject change? Yeah, sir, absolutely. Reverse okay. card. You like a two-hour podcast. Yeah, what time? Meningitis. Meningitis. What is meningitis? Meningitis. <laughs> ah, so that's when your, bl- your brain fluid inflames. <laughs> no, what? Well, that's what is hydrocephalus, but that's something else. Oh, no. man, all these big <laughs> words. Well, listen, you're, you're leading me down a rabbit hole. Like, listen, as a podcast interviewer, every time you say something I don't know, I'm going to ask about it. Okay, so, but meningitis, what is I that? feel like what, what holds <laughs> all of the... No, no, the, the, like the one that she didn't say. She didn't say that. She didn't Basically, mention when hydrocephalus. Your, your brain your head gets filled with fluid that's not supposed to be there and so you get a big big head it's basically it's common in like um toddlers so a toddler yeah it's not good you just what? get what? fluid all in your head and you just yeah you see the <laughs> and i bet you i still do i just had one like last month 
I did. What about two? I, I bet you got him. I did. What are you writing? I also had my and the doctor said they were the things he'd ever seen. So. Oh. What, your feet? They took me out my adenoids. It's like something up where adenoids are. Um, but apparently they're not supposed to be big. And the doctor said they're nope. the biggest he'd ever seen. So, wow. They what a guy. What guy. This man, big adenoids. <laughs> you know this is about using big adenoids. <laughs> I, I don't. <laughs> Probably big issues. <laughs> you need surgery, is what they say. No. How is that possible? That's an unfortunate. Lots of wine tonight, guys. This is like a. Is this our last bottle? No. All right, it's oh, okay. wrap. We've always got. All right, Doug. Uh, do you want to hear a rap? No. Um, yeah, I don't I think the audience will yeah, be yeah, watching yeah, this yeah. once to hear the rap. No, I'm ready. Go ahead. Go no, ma'am. Yeah, no, ma'am. I'm new here. Should, should this be off or on the record? Off, off the record. I All right, guys. Nobody wants to Are you ready to, to wrap up this, this podcast? Yes. yes. It has been an absolute pleasure to have this podcast with all of my friends today. Um, so, listen. I want to make everything. Listen, guys. Listen, guys. That's by choice. <clears throat> We're going to go around this. We're going to go around the room. And everybody's going to give a piece of advice that they would give to the audience on the inspirational sense because it is the inspiration podcast. Oh, so let, let's start Here. with uh, you. Okay, with me, yep. with, with old Turner. Okay, we got Turner. But we're going towards Ethan. All right. My, my piece the way, of advice. Thank you. My piece of advice would be to never quit exercising your creativity because creativity is like a muscle. The less you exercise it, the further away you get from it, the more you exercise it, the better it gets. So keep exercising your creativity however you can, whether it's drawing, uh, cooking, dancing, filmmaking, whatever it may be. Keep doing it because that, sh that shit's cool. And yeah. There it is. That was that was great, Turner. That was great, Turner. All right, we got Josh Baker giving his two cents. Show up and don't be lazy. Yeah. She's got one. Oh. About it. Um, I think I'm just gonna say one that my dad's always told me what I grew up with is just trust your gut. He always told me that growing up is just, you know, trust it, you know, whatever you're feeling. It could be conviction from the Holy Spirit, it could be just yourself talking to you, but I think it's always important to trust your gut um in everything you do. Beautiful. Honestly, after tonight and all we talked about, I would just say don't get comfortable in your dysfunction of reality. Like always, like don't get comfortable. Always do things that are uncomfortable to you, because that's where growth comes. That was awesome. All right, we got some good advice from everybody around the room. Um, I guess we'll we'll wrap it up by saying, um, everybody has a responsibility. Everybody has a duty. Um, make sure that you wake up in the morning and you feel like you should accomplish something. Uh, that you should be giving back in some way or some form. Um, we should all have a sense of duty, sense of responsibility in this world, and uh, that is my two cents. So thank you all for tuning in to the Inspiration Podcast as always. We will see you next time, which will be very, very soon. As always, stay intrigued. See you next time. Peace.